0: Welcome back to the RKV e Podcast. I'm your captain, Noah, and I've got a very special guest back once again, a host of the 2010s podcast, a musician in his own right, and now officially our man in Texas. Uh, welcome back, the dulcet tones of Mr. Nathan Stevens.
1: Like I said before, I really need you as my hype man, press guy. Happy so, to do it anytime. It's it feels good it feels like a really slick business card intro but i am so happy to be back on and um happy to chat some music even though we have some kind of sad news as of this morning when it yeah. comes to the larger musical world
0: yeah we can open on a sad note so that we can end on a happy one uh but yeah i i woke up this morning to see the article about uh the now late great uh incomparable Ryuichi sakamoto uh, who I guess passed away on the twenty eighth, but we just found out about it publicly today. Uh you're hearing this like a week later, so keep that in mind. But yeah, it's April 2nd. Uh but yeah, so we but I, I love that we both went to the exact same place, which is uh the 78 EP uh Thousand Knives, which is a six-track EP of just yeah, incredibly ahead of its time electronic music that is Fantastic and complete. And I, I honestly, I had blanked on like he was doing film scores up through like as he was battling cancer. Like there's a lot of recent movies that I had no idea he scored. So I, I the next month is going to be a big like catch up session on all of that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I, I just really, kind of start back at the beginning. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I really think Sakamoto is up there in the upper echelons of people like Tom Waits or Bjork. Um, in terms of folks who started very early his work with yellow magic orchestra uh, mm-hmm. for me i i picked them over Kraftwerk. i think i prefer them to Kraftwerk. i still listen to them a ton uh there's just such a playful plastic bounce to that music and it was so influential to hip-hop electronica pop going forward
0: absolutely and then
1: the fact that decades upon decades later he's releasing these incredible ambient albums and scoring the revenant um yeah. <laughs> and that's what i mean by that upper echelon of artists who never settled into a comfort zone who seem to have a giddy joy of finding new sounds and growth and discovery within their own musical soul and you could mm-hmm. really tell that and I, the reason i went back to thousand knives it's my favorite work of his but there is kind of that giddy joy to it it's like a,
0: oh, it's a so kid co- yeah yeah absolutely. go ahead it's yeah it's absolutely him like discovering hey here's all these new toys and you can see how a lot of people would be like i've literally never heard sounds like this before and now it's like i can punch them into logic and they're just all there you know but the the organically creating those things but still have like yes keeping it fun and dancey and funky especially on some of those early you know more experimental electronic records um i think you know it was a way to get people into it that wasn't as maybe alienating as something like the brian eno stuff that is like you know you got to you gotta come to it it does it's not gonna come to you it's more this was definitely more inviting uh in a very different way. So yeah, uh very sad loss, but I will highlight uh on his site there was uh, they listed one of his favorite quotes, which goes to everything that you're saying but uh I don't want to fuck it up, but I I think I've got it right it is uh art is long. life is short basically is what it translates to.
1: I don't think there could be a more poignant thing yes. for him because of the outsides influence he's had on the musical world and how much joy he brought from his music, but then extending out into the influence it had. Uh, Hip hop would not be the same without him because Africa, Mambada and Grandmaster Flash mm-hmm. were huge fans. Uh, obviously electronic. Uh, would modern synth pop exist at all? without Yellow Magic Orchestra. And I think the modern ambient landscape that we see with really incredible artists like Tim Hecker uh, wouldn't would be, I wouldn't say wouldn't exist, but wouldn't have the same wonderful mutations mm-hmm. without him. So art is long because it's fractured and crystallized in all these different ways. And I, I just hope he wasn't in any pain as he um, left this world and that he knew how much joy he gave mm-hmm. to other people.
0: Lots, yeah uh very beautifully said my friend uh all right let's uh let's get a little bit lighter uh you want to talk <laughs> recent releases or do you want to uh you want to dial us back and take us uh through your journey at south by southwest
1: let's do let's do south by because that's the most immediately joyous as compared to uh, a pretty oh, dour opening
0: absolutely by all means so you uh was this your first first time or i assume you've probably been once before when you were out there
1: yeah i had been the year before covid shut down everything uh i've never had a media pass uh i did not have a media pass this year this was completely on the uh kindness of strangers and various record label friends which is which is fun um the i mean the one year i had gone before was definitely more off south by shows which is um, you know events that are within the same week but definitely not hosted by record labels or if they are they're indie record labels uh, the record label that I've released on digital hot dogs had a showcase that was you know completely free at somebody's house those sorts of things the only like really serious thing I did was I went to the Aussie showcase and I interviewed Kieran J. Callanan uh, who is a pop absurdist who I okay. really enjoy um, and a delightful person we went behind this very chic bar into this weird little swamp land behind it and sat on two stumps okay. and had an interview and it was amazing he's so nice
0: that sounds <laughs> awesome uh is that gonna be part of the 2010s in an upcoming episode that
1: that that's already been on that was oh, okay. this was 2019 so this was as we were doing the end of the decade coverage oh, and his you, God, his uh not his debut record but the record that had come out in 2018 I believe was the center of that um, that showcase and it ended up of uh, that interview. And again, just an absolutely delightful person. If anybody is into uh, comically pastiche parodies of pop, but still has hooks like Ween or Clarence Clarity, uh, you need, really need to look into Karen J. Callanan. So uh, that was my first experience with South by Southwest. This one was a little different. Um, I was moving out of South Carolina um, and I should note because this will go out late enough that it will be fine for me to say this. Um, by the time this goes out, I will be the morning edition producer for the NPR station in Austin. You got um, the job. Congratulations, the job, sir. Hell yeah. Which is nuts. I did That's not think awesome, I was dude. get the job. Um, but all that to say, I was in the interview process for that. I knew I was coming back to Texas to help out with some family stuff um and so i went on an 18 hour drive over two days with my mom and my cat um Mm -hmm. back to houston where i'm originally from rested for the majority of the week and then ended up going to austin for about how half of south by i was not up there monday because that would have been an immediate three three hour drive turnaround after oh
0: geez yeah
1: (laughs) so um should i just go through chronologically do you want me to hit Uh, highlights of bands because i have about seven or eight artists but there are some ancillary stories that kind of connect them together
0: um however you want to approach it sir i'm sure this is going to be a laundry (laughs) list of a lot of bands and artists i have never heard of before so detailed as you'd like to be and i will be taking notes uh on my phone (laughs) in the background
1: yes if everybody could get out your uh, pen and paper
0: (laughs) uh so
1: the first showcase I went to was the Stereo Gum showcase, my personal favorite online website for music, uh, writing criticism and discovery. Um, I am a well-known-ish commentator on Stereo Gum, so the owners kind of knew me through as a commenter, and mm-hmm. I ended up meeting the two founders, Scott and oh, Chris, cool. who are delights. Scott gave me some drink tickets. Uh, And me and Chris ended up talking a very long time about his ongoing project to kind of document uh, the boom of 90s indie rock around, not including Nirvana, but around Nirvana in terms of bands that were on like Merge and Drag City and stuff like that. Um, He's a wonderful resource to go to. He's just an encyclopedia of knowledge on that. and. Uh, Going towards that, I mean, they just had some incredible bands uh, there. I went to the Stereo Gum Showcase a couple of years ago before COVID shut everything down. I think this year was even better. Uh, The first group I saw, fittingly, was a group I had never heard and absolutely blew me away. Hyper-pop act um, Frost Children. Uh, Frost Children. Obnoxious, over-the-top, hyper-catchy, but I think... You know, if you're into 100 GEX, but you want a little bit more musicianship, um, and that's not a that's not a dis on 100 GEX. 100 GEX are doing what they're doing. Uh, Frost Children, though, are both multi instrumentalists. They're siblings, uh, and they brought with them a drummer. Uh, their name's Eden, who I ended up hanging out with, who is another just absolute delight, just a cheery smile on their face at all times. And um, I think having a live drummer to add to studio electronic music just brings so much oomph and punch Mm -hmm. to it. Uh, People were screaming along, people were dancing. There was a mini mosh pit. Uh, Their new record will be out, I believe in a month or two. Uh, I really think that this ongoing hyper pop movement uh, that, you know, people like Charlie XCX have really, um, and vibes in is only growing. And I think Frost Children are going to be a very punky offshoot of it. Uh, that was the first band I saw, which was a great, you know, a great bar, bar
0: setter. Yes.
1: Yeah. Cause I've like, never seen these guys before. Yeah, uh, I then saw Austin hometown heroes portrayal of guilt who are one of the most brutal uh, screamo. Is hardcore, that, is that, is that
0: all one name? And can we, can we slow that down? Portrayal time? of guilt oh portrayal of guilt, guilt, is the of name guilt. I mean. okay
1: gotcha. um the most telling thing about them is that um they i believe their first ep was i can tell you what pain feels like which i said was a converge ask record title and uh, they've opened for well, converge totally Sense.
0: totally normal calm sounding you know it sounds like a really chill album something to throw on the uh, and they
1: have another one called christ fucker
0: Christfucker. Um, uh Christ uh so Weatherbox, uh one of my favorite bands that doesn't really exist anymore, had an EP called Christ Puncher, uh, which was just a bloody nail on the cover. Uh they're a way less intense band than that uh would have you believe. But uh yeah.
1: That should have been a split. Very have been a split. Uh,
0: yeah. We'll have uh, to get them to uh hook up. Maybe we can get Weatherbox to start making music again. Sorry, continue. Uh, uh
1: appropriately brutal, uh a very I will say clean in terms of time, not clean in terms of sound, just 30 minutes of nonstop brutality noise. I adore that band. Um, And I love that they're out of Austin and keeping up this tradition that came from Scratch Acid and Jesus Lizard and bands like that from Austin of uh, just instant pummeling brutality. They were fantastic. Um, uh, The next, I saw Military Gun. Um, who are kind of in the post-hardcore world. I saw them in a very weird show a couple of years ago in Great Falls, Montana. Uh, Scowl, Military Gun, Vane FM, and Tou- Touche More. Um,
0: I know one of those bands.
1: Uh, <laughs> truly a remarkable post-hardcore and hardcore uh, lineup. I got to talk to them a little bit, and they were like, yeah, that was a weird show. Uh, but a really good show. Uh, mm-hmm. Military Gun is definitely one of those that they had some sound issues so i'm not going to say their show was amazing and it's not their fault mm-hmm. um but uh if you are looking for a band that might cross over in the same way turnstile recently did uh scowl who was not there but military gun and scowl are the next two hardcore post hardcore bands that i could see blowing up in a way where i hate to say it normies will know them soon uh, okay. incredible amount of charisma from their front man really wonderful melodic talents on top of still some really pummeling noise um that was great I got to see Barty Strange who's great indie rock artist but he didn't bring a drummer or a bassist it was just him and another guitarist and I I thought it kind of lacked some punch I really wanted to see uh, a full show with him so eh, a little bit mixed on that um and these were
0: were these all part of the stereo gum all part of the this if you will okay yeah yeah yeah
1: um after that, I went to karaoke with some friends and I was on my bike and there was a massive lightning storm. So I was supposed to go to two more sets that night and I did not.
0: Oh, that's probably a safe decision. Okay.
1: Uh, including the who, people. Who at did Mon- you miss? Um, Top Shelf Records had a showcase that night, but they invited ended up inviting me to a secret showcase the next day. So I Ooh. caught everything. And then I met the lovely people who run the Montreal Pop Festival. Uh, right. And they invited me to a set, same deal, which was... That show was not outdoors, but to get to it, I was going to have to bike about two miles through the rain, which I was not going to do. They seemed very understanding about all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so missed those, uh, but ended up playing pool with a guy who turned out to do merch with a bunch of bands. Um, so he gave me the lowdown on what I should do the next day. The next day I went to the top shelf record label showcase. I met my press contact there, uh, saw a couple of bands. The main thing that happened at the top shelf record showcase was that um a friend of mine is obsessed with a Chicago rock band called Rat Boys, and he told me under no circumstances was I allowed to leave Austin without a one out of 50 VHS merch Okay, that they were selling. Did you get uh, it? Yes. It apparently got back to the band that I was on a merch quest, and I ended up hanging out with them for a while, and they gave me the VHS for free. Um, uh, I
0: I have met the Rat Boys. They've you know uh, the
1: Rat the Rat the Boys of Rat.
0: Yes, uh, they have toured with All Get Out, Oh Brother, uh, Manchester, a lot of the the Southeast bands that I uh, that I'm a huge fan of. They've yeah they've made it down here a couple times. Uh, but yeah, they've been on at least two or three bills that uh that I've caught in Columbia slash uh, North Carolina area. But yeah,
1: that makes sense because they're like homies with Good Wednesday, day. who's North Carolina, right?
0: I think so. Yeah. Yes.
1: Um, they were super, super nice. Uh, the set was incredible. Uh, they're another band that, that I would peg to break out, but um, they're really interesting crossover kind of between country rock and grunge almost. And Julia is a wonderful lyricist, great singer. And uh, yeah, I, I think their next album that's going to come out this summer is going to be pretty incredible. Pardon me. Um, so, but I got, I just decided that the next time I go to a, any sort of festival, I need to have a quest ahead of time. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met two people because I didn't go through my drink tickets and I just handed them to them. And uh, at the Stereo gum showcase, and then I ran into them at uh, the Top Shelf record label showcase. And they were like, "Think of all the XP you're going to get from this. Right. Just you're going <laughs> to level up from this merch quest,
0: dude. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm. This is this is such a good little indie movie. Like, <laughs> guy guy is solo at a at a festival. And, yeah, on and a merch to, quest. Yeah, for a has VHS. to figure it out
1: hmm Um uh top is... shelf go, go yeah, top shelf in between. I went to a very weird showcase that was on to- on the rooftop of a Whole Foods. Um okay. and I will say that this did show parts of Austin I did not like. I got yelled at for breathing on the console of the sound guy who is this ancient crusty dreadlocked white hippie. Okay. And I was like, all right, on top of a Whole Foods Austin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't hate it um and uh there's a meme also- in there
0: somewhere yeah. for sure
1: <laughs> there you know you you are a music producer you play live there are some sound guys and i don't usually say guys that i think would prefer for musicians actually not to exist because they yes. ruin their perfect sound exactly yes. that was that guy uh because he ended up yelling at one of the artists too uh nuria graham who has made one of my favorite records of the year Cyclamen. she is an irish catalan singer-songwriter okay very um, intriguing if you're into joni mitchell if you're into regina specter especially uh, i would really recommend her because it's kind of this wonderful jazzy influenced folk pop that's very surreal in terms of its lyrical quality i've been trying to get an interview with her for months but the time zones just weren't working out because she mm-hmm. lives near barcelona um and it was hilarious. Uh, her manager was there and ended up recording me because I had knew every, all the lyrics, to all the songs. Cause of course it did. Cause I'd been preparing for an interview right. um, that just kept not happening. And so I went to Nuria afterwards and she was like, yeah, they said this guy was singing. I was like, yeah, that was me cause I'm trying to get an interview with you. <laughs> um, and uh, we ended up getting coffee the next day. Awesome. Um, and just uh, that interview is not up yet. Cause I got a, the coffee shop's, you know, I was recording my iPhone. I'm turning that into a written interview. Mm -hmm. Um, the way that she views music and goes about music is like a puzzle box being solved. Um, she doesn't really feel in control of it. And I I think it's a really interesting way that she looks at musicianship and lyrical narrative stuff. Uh, we, we had such a good time. She is so nice. Uh, her backing band is all virtuosic, uh, and outside of the hippie yelling at them, uh, had a great time. Uh, then the next one is the real, this band is legitimately going to be one of the biggest bands in the world within the next three years. Um, they're called bombing tiger. They are a South Korean rap group. They're basically South Korean Brockhampton, but I think they're already better than Brockhampton uh, okay. by a pretty considerable distance. Uh, I had a big stupid smile on my face, the entire show. Say the name uh,
0: one more time for me.
1: Bombing tiger, like a lip balm Ing tiger. Um, they had wonderful choreography, great mix of rapping and singing um really an ability to connect with the crowd even when they were rapping in korean uh this is a band that's already worked with bts so i mean in their part of the world they're already huge but Mm -hmm. considering the k-pop wave that has really reached the united states uk english-speaking press um this band has not uh done anything outside of a mixtape and a couple singles so far um, I would be flabbergasted if their debut album, especially if they get BTS on it again, doesn't crack the top twenty here in the US. And their live show is that good; mm-hmm. it really is. Um, so that's like Holy that's tiger. the ultimate insider pick of like if you want to sound real fucking cool <laughs> ahead of time.
0: Got to get on um, Balming Tiger, bro. All Balming right.
1: Tiger. And then um, I went to yeah, two more. Which was uh, I went to the Father Daughter Record Showcase. Um, I and interviewed this uh artist um whose name I keep mispronouncing, which I'm so sorry because she even went through it. I just have dyslexia and have a hard time. But it's uh Mew Joy. Mew Mew Ju. Not Mew Joy, Mew Ju. Um, she is a British Hong Kong singer-songwriter, indietronic kind of stuff. Her newest album, Rotten Bun for an Eggless Century, is a really fascinating concept record. Uh, with a lot of traditional Chinese instrumentation alongside some really incredible synth work. Uh, it is one of my favorite albums of the year, and she was able to pull it off with just her and a keyboardist live. It sounded just as massive as it did wow. on record. She's really good live. And that's her debut album as a solo artist. So uh, really, really take interest in that. And then my cousin walked in. Turns out he's drumming for a band called Bloomsday now, who's on Father Daughter. Um which was hilarious. My press contact for father daughter was like, Oh, you really love Andrew Stevens. huh?" Cause I ran over to him and I hugged him. I was like, yeah, he's my cousin. And she was (laughs) like, are you kidding me? I was like, yeah, I'm I'm as surprised as you are. Um, He's drummed for a bunch of different bands like Jason and uh, howdy and uh, Lamelda, and stuff like that. But that was great. And then the guy I played pool with had told me this other band was playing at a place called chess club. They're called four year red Uh, really big. Wacky Talking Heads B fifty two vibes, multiple songwriters, math pop kind of stuff, really off kilter, uh, rhythms. I ended up meeting everyone around them before then. The pool player guy who did merch for them was also one of their roommates. Uh, the press contacted father daughter was best friends with the guitarist, and then I ended up standing next to a really lovely lady who was like, "Oh, do you know them?" I was like, "Yeah, I like heard them." The bassist is my son, who was you know so Mama for your red was just uh. so so nice uh cool. they're incredible their new records coming out in a couple of months i'm hoping to interview them as well um yeah just a really off kilter delightfully delirious that, that
0: sounds record. right up my alley honestly yeah Foyer and,
1: my, Foyer and my four and uh new joy new joy uh might be your two um i i think out of that group but that was my time at south by southwest uh that's the insider scoop y'all uh, well, yeah.
0: I, I gotta be honest with you. I've always wanted to do it. And it sounds like uh you're the guy to be my guide if I ever actually make Bro, it up out there. Dude, come I would out, love man. to. I would love to. Um I of course am always interested in the film side of things too. So I would yes. you know, maybe we could tackle both angles. We I could yes. you know, we've had a website for seven years. I maybe I could get a press badge. It's like we've got some some readership.
1: Uh, I, I got to assume that NPR will actually give me a press badge next
0: Oh, year. dude. I mean, yeah, you're <laughs> going to have uh, all the access for sure.
1: What What is your general take on things like South by Southwest in terms of uh, festivals, artists playing condensed sets? There's also been a lot of talk about artists not getting paid enough to play these sorts of things. Where do you view it as somebody who enjoys film and music and might be coming at it from multiple angles rather than one angle like some other artists?
0: I think there's like... For the longest time they felt so distant, like, oh, this is an industry thing. Like, especially South by always felt to me like, oh, it's kind of, you know, there's aspects of community there, but it was like it's a it's a hype bit, essentially. Like yeah. this is where you're gonna find out about the next big movie. And and they the film side kind of like slowly grew up. There I still don't feel like they're on the level of a Sundance or uh Toronto or even Tribeca or something like that. In terms of breaking like new talent or anything like that. But every once in a while, there's a movie that's like plugged into we got to go to South by I'm pretty sure everything everywhere all at once had yeah. a premiere there. And of course, that is now our best picture winner for about uh, 2023. So um, that but. Yeah, I always wanted to go as a fan. I've never been to like a a legitimate festival, like multi-day sort of thing. But South by always seemed the most appealing because it's music, it's movies. There's all this other tangential stuff going on around. It's not this isolated like Bonnaroo. Here's our site. This is everything. Drive in. It felt more like you can find all these cool little side things going on. And even if you're not part of the main event, you know, you can still find cool stuff. Which sounds like you absolutely did. So. Um, As far as on the artist side, it's like, yeah, I get how, how much of it is motivated by just like, okay, well, in the same way that uh, we go out and tour a record that if we're on a particular size label, like we spend most of our money just paying back the CDs that we took out on the road with us sort of thing. It's like, yeah, you do have to do those things that are like, well, we just got to get our name out there. We got to, you know, every show is an opportunity to make a new fan, right? And so hopefully somebody who's going to stick with you but yeah the it's also like you have such a tiny window and because there's all of these other you're you know you're competing for so much attention it's like yeah how do you make that that 20 minutes or that 15 minute set like worth it how do you punch through when somebody's gonna you know in all likelihood see anywhere between what like 10 and 30 bands in in a 24-hour period like
1: I mean, that was the thing when I was talking to Eden from Frost Children, because they were just like they had been um, on tour with a model actress who has just dropped a really incredible industrial album. It's like Nine Inch Nails, but even more sexually repressed. Um, It's great. It's
0: possible, but okay.
1: But uh, they were on tour and then both of them got to South by and then all of them were playing two to three shows a day. Frost Children especially was when I saw them. At two o'clock, which is pretty early uh, at the Stereogum showcase, Eden was like, yeah, that was our second show today. Um, and I ran into them at the Whole Foods because they they played there the next day, too, and then played at the uh, co-op house that I ended up seeing the top shelves. And I was like, how are you guys not running yourselves into the ground? And Eden was like, yeah, we are. We totally are. I was yeah. Like, okay. So, yeah, there's, you know, there's obviously a physical toll to it as well. And I'm always intrigued by that because it's exactly what you were just saying if we can play this enough and get enough people to notice us, because it's like, all right, you've got 30 minutes, play your best shit, see what happens. You almost have to do that Russian roulette of like, when is my body going to break down on me? Because you're not the, you know, as much as the artistic world often gets shit on of just like, ah, oh, you're just, you know, sitting back doing whatever these folks, especially people like Frost, children, military gun for your red, um, have a lot of stage presence. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of jumping around and hooting and hollering and, and, you know, somebody who's a drummer or a bassist is putting out an incredible amount of energy into this. And it's like, OK, so you're going to play six shows in three days uh, across a city, bouncing around all of the time. And your hope is that you run into a record label agent or you run into a radio producer or you run into a whoever and you impress that one person. Mm-hmm. But what happens when the car crashes? What happens when the gear malfunctions? What happens when your body literally shuts down? And it's, yeah. that's what I worry about. Sometimes with South by.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, the burnout, it's definitely, and so how long, how long does it run? Is it a three day or is it like a week? It's like two weeks,
1: but the two weeks okay. the opening is more film tech based and tech is getting bigger and bigger in Austin, obviously, mm-hmm. um, William Ryan Fritch, who I had on my podcast, who's a film composer. Um, ended up not going to the music part of the festival. Cause he's like, I'm not playing anything. I just did the soundtrack for a couple of documentaries. So that's, you know, where I am. So mm-hmm. he ended up being there a week before I was, even though we're kind of on the same music side, but not really. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, usually it's the film and tech first, and then it's the music.
0: As far as other festivals that you've been to, I guess where does South by sit? Like, do you look forward to it is there that kind of like all right i got to get in the mental headspace of like <laughs> this for for a week or you know do you do you dr- love it and dread it at the same time because of what it does to the town etc.? or you know
1: yeah i mean it's a mix cuz my favorite music festival ever is probably it's, it's no longer a thing but free P- free press summer fest slash day for night in houston okay. um i saw kendrick lamar there I saw Bjork DJ, I saw Aphex Twin. Um, some really incredible artists came through. Um, partial part of this is because Houston is so sprawly, but I got to drive in, find parking with like at a friend's house or something like that, walk over. Mm-hmm. When South by happens, it is the entire city because you know, the basis it was built on was hey a bunch of DIY folks want to have a week where we're going to have a bunch of friends and party and uh, we'll play at this venue and this venue and this house and this yard. And it's just grown and grown and grown exponentially until you're at this Mm -hmm. point where it really is this codified thing, but it's still just within the city. Obviously you can go away from it, But the places I've lived have usually been close enough that suddenly it's affecting my ability to get around the town, you know, Um, so that there's a little bit of dread there. But at the same time, I mean, there's as hopefully because there's actually a uh, city council member, Zoe, who's working on getting artists more money as they come to South by hopefully as the payment becomes uh better and better, we're going to be in a situation where South by really is this uh equitable thing that just is amazing because you can pop into any venue for an hour, see two artists and be like, Oh wow, that's incredible. Uh, yeah. Which is, I, I think is the experience that just can't be beat with South by because you just never know you, you're going to run into a random record. It's more more discovery
0: stuff. factor probably than any, you know, I feel like, at a bigger festival it's like oh i'm killing time until i see the thing i'm really here to see oh i happen to see somebody that oh they're pretty cool maybe i bought a new album or d- discovered a new band but i feel like people don't really go to your your bonaroo's and your coachella's etc to find new bands it's like you're seeing people who have made it past several several rungs of uh to get to this level so
1: i mean that's almost the best thing about that having these top top headliners like Bonnaroo would have like the strokes or my morning jacket
0: mm-hmm.
1: South by wouldn't wouldn't really have anything like that. Cause we're not renting out arenas. You know, the largest venues are still going to have some pretty small bands or undiscovered bands, I should say right. at the beginning of the day. So there is sort of this like more middle-class uh, up and coming focus for artists, uh, which, which I, I really love. Um you know if I'm going to see the strokes, I want to go see the strokes, I don't want to see them at a festival necessarily. Right. Um, because there's an inbuilt like you can only play this long there,
0: right? Um, have you done Austin City Limits at all? Oh, yeah, been there? yeah, uh, do you have like a laundry list? Is it too long to go through? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I've
1: only been twice. Uh, I went over a decade ago, I think it was 2011. I saw uh TV on the radio who was incredible um so jealous uh that was my introduction to twin shadow and young the giant Okay. uh and then the really big I saw Stevie Wonder <laughs> which uh that's awesome, yeah bu- that's just a bucket list absolutely right there. oh my god um and then I went the year before COVID and I saw idols Denzel Curry go-go penguin and the smiths or not the smiths the cure sorry um not the Spence, obviously. Yes. Uh, I, I saw the Cure. Um, so, Very cool.
0: Idols is uh, has been number one on my hit list for uh, quite a while to see live. Uh, really I I need to do it. Need to do it. I missed them in Asheville once so far. I think that's the closest they've come. But uh, yeah, yeah. So to transition us slightly, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to Chicago in about a month. And I'm gonna see Fever Ray. Eh? Oh my god. I'm Live stressed. at the salt shed. Um, I'm very excited about it. Uh you sent me a list of albums, your mm-hmm. your Q1 of 2023 records that you like. Yeah. Mine is uh much shorter, my friend, because <laughs> I'll be honest. I, I I have not listened to much else other than radical romantics. It is literally all I care about right now. <laughs> When I came
1: to your house, you had it playing on your TV. The singles, the album wasn't even out yet.
0: Well, yeah, it was, you know, I think just candy and carbon dioxide were out. But I just, I was like, dude, have you heard this yet? And you're like, oh yeah, it's it's good, right? I was like, yeah, pretty excited. And it, I mean, we made an event of it uh, when it dropped. Waited till midnight, listened to the whole thing all the way through. uh, And yeah, it has not left my rotation for longer than like maybe... 24 hours like maybe i've taken a day break from it but i just i i'm completely enamored with it i think top to bottom it's just there's not a bad or uninteresting track on it the production is incredible the stuff with olaf in the first chunk is like everything could have hoped for uh the two trent and atticus tracks uh even it out and north are incredible uh, but my absolute favorite is the the penultimate Tapping Fingers, I think, is one of the, that's probably, it's going to be on my short list for songs of the year, but also so is Candy, and uh, Shiver, and uh, yeah, many, many you, songs on this record. You, it's, it's it's perfect to me. I absolutely love it. It's a Stone Cold 10 out of 10.
1: You texted me in the middle of my move. back. <laughs> And you're like, you have to
0: listen. To this. I was like, it's fucking I, incredible.
1: I, I really enjoy it so far. I'm not quite at the level you are, but I think one of the things that I want to do is I've actually never listened to the OG Fever Ray, mm-hmm. um, the first Fever Ray record, despite the fact that like all my friends in the electronic know or say it's great. And Silent Shout is an amazing, you know, one of my favorite electronic records. So what mm-hmm. I'm kind of planning on doing is kind of revisiting. From Fever Ray's debut to All ancillary Knife and Fever Ray stuff, up to this one. Yeah, um, that I gotta way I say, can, I don't, oh, go ahead.
0: Like when Plunge, the previous record came out, mm-hmm. I was definitely excited for it, and it wasn't this like, oh, it didn't quite deliver. It was just like, oh, that was what it was. It was just like this is this is Fever Ray. Like this is substantially a different thing. And it was like, okay, it's not, it's not the knife. You want it to be the knife. It's not the knife. Okay. Um, But yes, to that point, Radical Romantics so much feels like it's everything. It's the knife. It's the first Fever Ray solo record. It's plunge. It's everything swirled together. um, And a a little bit of everything just coalescing. Um, But yeah, I, and I will say again, even some like the closer, is a bold choice uh bottom Mm -hmm. of the ocean which is uh seven minutes of just basically vocalization and uh, some really like distended dark uh ambient sense the first night we're listening to it my girlfriend and i are like we're we're loving it we're like on cloud nine and then that's the closer that it goes out on and both of us were just kind of like oh that, that was that was kind of a thing and it is one of those tracks that every time I've gone back to it subsequently, I'm like, Oh, I get it. I get structurally where it occurs. Um, what I thought was maybe a little like, you know, grading or like, Hey, we, does this need to be seven minutes? Like, could we not get the same thing across? And then it's just like, no, I kind of like existing in it for as long as it wants, wants to be there. And it's definitely a come down after a a record that pretty much operates at like a 13 for most of it. Um, that it's just like you need a cool off almost. And I kind of, I appreciate that more and more about it, but yeah.
1: See, that's why I really want to go back to shaking the habitual. Cause mm-hmm. when that came out, I was not nearly as into ambient music
0: um,
1: as I am. And it now. has
0: the way it's integrated in that record is more, I think it flows better. Whereas mm-hmm. this one feels like it comes out of nowhere where you're like, Oh, all of a sudden we went from like all of this to just like, literally the bottom of the ocean, like as quiet and as just like, you know.
1: Yeah. Like kind of the denouement to it rather than shaking the vigil, which was like, you know, I loved full of fire and Mm -hmm. I was like, or um, I for a tooth. And I was like, why can't I have more bangers? And now that like, you know, we've had this conversation on the first time I was on of like, how much I enjoy Tim Hecker now, how much I enjoy uh, third string jazz. I'm like, Mm -hmm. is that trough actually in the middle of the record going to be perfect for me now? As Great. kind of, um, I have a, maybe you'll have him on at some point, M- maybe the most famous stereo commenter, which is the most niche internet celebrity you could get is a guy named Raptor Jesus. <laughs> Raptor um, Jesus. Okay. And he had me on his podcast, which is kind of a history of music criticism, his personal relationship with music and stereo gum. And, um, he is a big believer in the science of sequencing. Um, mm-hmm he thinks like he thinks there's a way and a method of doing it. And it's something he can speak on at length for a really long time. And I think though it's interesting that the knife has done this and knife and related have done this in multiple different ways of like, okay, We're gonna have what you were saying, these kind of sine waves going up and down throughout the record, or what happens on this newest record for Fever Ray, which is we're gonna go all out, all out, all out, and then we're gonna give you a little lullaby at the end. We're gonna give you a little cool down at the end. Yes, Um, I think they're both ways of going about it. I'm I'm just kind of curious on like the methodology behind that sequencing and why. Yes.
0: I I def, raptor jesus you said raptor jesus I yes. definitely would be interested because I I'm obsessed with sequencing in in my own work where I I have so many where it's like oh but if you put this there oh, the transitions like that much better where and I will play around with multiple different versions and listen through them just to hear how stuff is going to connect and like where it puts you out overall uh, So your
1: top 3 of the year are Fever Ray Fever, Fever, Fever Ray and Fever Ray
0: yeah <laughs> uh pretty much. No, that is my I mean if if something <laughs> tops that, let's be honest, if something tops that as my personal album of the year, um it's going to be an incredible year for music. Uh already has been. I will bring up my my very brief list and see where we're at. Hold on. A Yeah, funnily enough, on my on my top list, I do only have the one record list. I need to find my uh, <laughs> you know, other albums I've actually listened to. I did. Uh, we talked about it on the previous episode. I did enjoy the new Tennis uh, mm-hmm. Pollen, uh, not quite as much as the previous record.
1: You were uh, really hyped for that, and then I, it like- I was very
0: excited based on the singles. Um, and yeah, not. And we also had this conversation last time it was a little bit of a more of the same sort of thing yeah. uh and very a little bit one note but then i i sit here and i'm like but but i like tennis because of their sound and their vibe and they just gave me a whole record of that again so it's like how upset could i actually but i you know i don't i don't know what more i could have wanted from it i guess is what i'm saying i enjoyed mm. it though uh what else i did check out the caroline polowczyk record i uh, mm-hmm. it I'm trying to I'm trying to grow with it. I'm trying to give it a, a couple more. Did we ever discuss uh, Lil Yachty? And Let's, oh no, yeah. I
1: don't. I don't. Man, that could be a different podcast unto itself of just the reactions to that record. But uh, yes, uh, uh, go I, no, we haven't.
0: What's your What's your general take? I was just curious. Like, I
1: really enjoyed it. Um, me, I, me
0: too. And then I felt like then basically all the hipster music press was like oh, we only like it because it's like the most pandering version of like an experimental record. And it's so like, it's so obvious. And that reaction, I was like, go fuck yourself. The dude tries to do something like legitimately that is outside of his quote unquote comfort zone. Like I'm, I'm firmly just shifting my sound sonically, et cetera. And they're just like, but it's so safe. It's so safe. And I'm just like, what? i don't give a shit the production on that record is incredible uh, his i i've always enjoyed his vocal but never particularly given a shit about him as a rapper personally um so for me this was like oh you're doing a completely different like i i went really hard for it and then i was like every everybody just made me feel like a dick for liking it and i'm like what like i don't know
1: i okay we're two white dudes let's just get well, that out of the and,
0: way yes uh, i that was not uh, abundantly clear we were both Caucasian <laughs> individuals.
1: Um, this is true. The Pitchfork review from Alphonse P- uh, Pierre, who is a guy I basically am constantly disagreeing with. I, I um,
0: hated that review with, with uh, a passion. That that's the, the main reaction I'm referring yeah. to when I'm saying all this. Yeah. You you hit the nail on that. And then the
1: stereo Stereogum review of it basically read literally even took a couple of lines, like direct lines from Alphonse's review, which I I found weird but mm-hmm. um, basically a complete re-litigation. And the the core of it was rap music is more important and vital now than rock music. Generally uh, it's a step back to consider rock music more artistically creative, artistically fulfilling, whatever, which is a putting way too much on, Oh, this is what you should do. Little Yachty. Mm-hmm. Like he's his own artist. You can have your own reaction to it and not enjoy it. But like in terms of telling him, that like what you're doing now is less creatively ambitious. Because it is regressive
0: genre. in some way is ridiculous to and me. And this yeah. has
1: just proved to me that the old school hip hop heads are the exact same assholes as the old school classic <laughs> rock fans. They are the same people. Yes. They they hate each other's music, but they're the right. exact same people. It is the same mindset which says I have created these parameters of what is artistically fulfilling, and people who step beyond those uh are no longer interesting to me or are regressive and i i felt again two white dudes talking about two black dudes writing about it so if someone wants to tell me back the fuck off i'll back the fuck off right. but it was really weird for me to hear like oh he's pandering to like fucking r- like basic ass white kids and i was like you don't know like yadi's always been interested in rock music and i felt like it was a logical step from what i think is the best mumble rap psychic trap whatever you want to call it uh, Jeffrey by Young Thug uh, which is a deeply psychedelic weird ass trap rap album and I felt like this is a fairly logical progression to go even more melodic takes these strains of psychedelic rock music into it and to say that it's normie that you're pandering to white kids because you don't care about like there's just a lot of assumptions there and
0: again so much of it ignores like the influence of like on early hip hop from bands like Parliament, which had like some of the it's most insane abso- but like all of the George Clinton projects, some of the most insane, out there shit. That like, if somebody put that on a record today, you'd be like, "Are these people okay? Like, <laughs> is that <laughs> is-, is is everybody all right here?" Um, and those records are so weird and out there. And I I feel like when I was listening to this, I was like, it's more in a lineage of that to me than somebody who all of a sudden was just like. Oh, I'm gonna kind of, you know, I'm gonna chase like a pitchfork, eight point five out of ten or something. It didn't feel like this, like, oh, I'm I'm chasing something or like I need to be taken seriously now. I know that's a lot of like maybe some of the pull quotes from like, from like interviews around it, and it's like, yeah, maybe he did want to be taken more seriously. Was this the venue to do? It? That's all debatable, or but it doesn't feel like I'm putting on. A character or a mask or something that's not inherently me. I'm like, these are your influences. This doesn't feel like I came out of left field. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah,
1: yeah and if you're oh, like, oh, oh he's, pandering, he's pandering, he's pandering. It's a, like athlete. pandering is not a hard like. If you're going to really pander, a pander is not a hard left turn into a new genre. You know right. what I mean? Like that's not a smart move. Corporate, especially
0: get, especially considering like my co-workers who are about ten years younger, uh, who just loved uh Poland. Yes, which uh, the I adore single. as well.
1: Yeah, and, I love that
0: song. And and I tell them like, hey, have you checked out his new record? And I'm, I'm trying to hype it up to them. I'm like, you know, it's quite the departure. You guys should check it out. Like check it out on the way home from work. They come in the next day and they, they weren't feeling it. And I'm like, those are people that were way more into him prior. I'm like, again, that right there. He, he knew he was probably going to lose some people, but it's like, this is the record he wanted to make. And it got, it got my attention and I'm somebody who has, again, never been like, oh dude, I got to hear the new little Yachty record. Like I got to check this out day one, but yeah, it was honestly, it it was was that, it was that quest love shout out that got me to do it in the first place. I just saw, I follow quest love on, uh, Instagram and Facebook, et cetera. And I just, I, I was like, wait, what is this record he's talking about? And I was like, I'm going to go listen to this immediately. Yeah.
1: Uh, I so to, to move on, so I'm not just shitting on other music writers. I I just oh, disagree yes, with yeah, them. I just disagree with them. But I have a I have a top three that's not one record over and over again. But I don't. I also yes. don't have a ten out of ten this year. So that seems more fair. Um, you do. You have that anchoring point for this year so far. So I understand.
0: My my only other unmentioned one and I only bring it up because the the night we were lucky enough to perform together before you left. Uh <laughs> I talked to you a bit about the the new Manchester single that had just dropped. Yes. And uh so The Valley of Vision their new EP which I still I'm not quite sure if this was like leftovers from the Million Mask of God the previous record or it was a self-contained like start to finish project but uh it has a A visual component a short film that goes along with it which you can watch in vr if you have oculus or any of that stuff um and that as a full-on experience i didn't get to do the full vr experience but um (laughs) as an experience i really really enjoyed it now just speaking completely objectively there's only it's like half of this record i would cherry pick and like i'll listen to these in my normal day-to-day life and then the other ones are kind of more mood pieces that I would have to, you know, mm-hmm. I only want it when it's in the full context. But I just wanted to say when you and I initially talked about it, I was like, I don't know the the reaction of You're this one. You're lukewarm on it. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I love it, I guess, is all I wanted to say is like, it's actually really, really good. And if you haven't checked it out, check out Valley Vision. It's on
1: the list. It's yeah. on the list. Yeah, so. Um. So,
0: yeah, I won't.
1: I will just give a shout out to two of the artists I already mentioned that I saw at South by. And part of that was the records they put out this year, which would be uh Mojoo and Nuria Graham, both fantastic records that came out this year, but in terms of three records that I don't have a South by connection to not rehashing everything. Uh, the one that has surprised me the most and I feel like is ruining my indie cred is obscure records only is uh, the new unknown mortal orchestra. I think it's the best thing I've done.
0: Haven't listened to it yet have um, to say i have not gotten to it yet
1: five or v i'm assuming five um yeah i think it has two of the best songs they've ever made uh that life in the garden uh it reminds me a lot of todd rundgren in terms of like s- mid 70s late 70s psychic psychedelic stuff but also i don't know if, if it,
0: you saw me perk up when you said yeah todd rundgren, yeah
1: but, <laughs> but uh yeah. yeah oh yeah um it's it's uh, got some really interesting instrumental passages. It's very catchy. The guitar work's incredible, uh, and it's very sad. Uh, so, a, oh you know. my
0: god, what an what an album cover!
1: Oh yeah, also album cover of the year, uh, easy, easy. Yeah, easy.
0: yeah. I mean, I I do adore the Radical Romantics cover, but there's so much going on here. <laughs> uh, this tells a whole story. This is what an album cover. Yeah, for V or five.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> great depressing psychedelic rock. uh Uh,
0: I I need to get to that one
1: the uh now we're back to left field (laughs) so I can regain my indie cred yes um gotta get it back there have been a couple of really interesting jazz records this year low chord had a good one there's a Helsinki jazz ensemble that just released a record that's really good but the one that's really blown me away has been by a uh Berlin outfit called conic rose they just released something called heller tag um and it is a really interesting combination of kind of new jazz, ambient, electronic. They have a full-time like Korg player uh, on, their, on their team uh, and lo-fi hip-hop. Um, and it kind of goes through all of those motions, sometimes within one song, but often just in terms of this ride throughout the record. I, I keep returning to it, I think, because it keeps surprising me. It really doesn't rest within any one comfort zone within the larger jazz world. They're obviously very virtuosic, but uh, they never let it get in the way of the key harmony, melody, or rhythmic work, uh, which really impressed me as well. Uh, it's probably my jazz record of the year. So
0: awesome. Uh, another killer album cover as well. Yes. Gorgeous looking. Okay. Heller Tag by Conic Rose. All right. And what's, and then, what's the number one?
1: Uh, Colors of Air by La Seal and Lawrence English. Um, I may have mentioned this on the last podcast, especially because I am becoming an ambient boy. Uh, as I've kind of mentioned before, uh, Lawrence English is a really incredible composer out of Australia. Lo Seal is an ambient composer out of the Pacific Northwest who's made some uh, fantastic albums over the year, and uh, they came together on Colors of Air based on samples from a over-century-old pipe organ in Lawrence English's native Brisbane that they chopped up, recolored, and turned into uh, a just gobsmackingly pretty album. Um, The song Black on there, which is, I think, kind of the key and centerpiece of the album is almost undoubtedly my song of the year. Um, Headphones are an absolute must. Um, I've fallen asleep to it a couple of times. I think the sequencing, as we were talking about before, is really good of this kind of tension and release because some of the songs are a little bit not not grating, but dissonant, tense. And then they'll release into these songs that are much more pastoral and beautiful. And yeah, it is um, the first time I heard it. I was like, "Oh, this is something different." And it's just kept up there in my album year.
0: Alrighty. Mm-hmm. Um. What I guess what's your what's on your release radar? What is your next most anticipated? Let me
1: see here. I have you know the uh, whole internal spreadsheet.
0: I'm pretty Google. excited about this. Uh, this Clark record. Uh, so oh like, my God! Got me okay, into, actually, uh, yeah,
1: those are the nice. I mentioned it in our preview because it's still not out. Overmono and Clark are definitely my top two, specifically because they're doing kind of similar things. Overmono is a little bit more club oriented. Clark is a little bit more singer oriented because he's been singing now. He's, he's starting to yes sing.
0: Tommy York will be on there. Tom yeah. Um, yeah.
1: But man, uh
0: I-, I love everything that's come out so far. So. Yeah,
1: it's Clark and Overmono. I think both of them will be very high up there on albums of the year if they continue the excellent precedent they've set on these singles. Yeah, absolutely. So both of us, listening part of Clark. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, and maybe we'll get back together to do this again after I see Fever Ray live, and uh, we can talk so about jealous. that and anything else that you catch in the meantime. Uh, do we hit everything? i think we Made we a, a little tribute to mr rioichi sakamoto rip yeah. we did south by yeah we did some uh what we've been listening to and what we're recommending uh yeah thank you for doing this
1: of, of course, course it's always a delight man
0: and uh any other i mean you're you're kind of our go-to music guy now so <laughs> if you uh i know you got your own podcast but i i know sometimes you like to be interviewed as opposed to to doing the interview so <laughs> um um
1: I'm oh. actually m- mixing my record right now. I release nice. a little, little, uh, mostly demos and weird other stuff that I just uh, I couldn't work on music for a while because of that bike crash. Um, it's called "Who Will Destroy Charleston When I'm Gone" because of my terrible outside of you,
0: my terrible I, time
1: in Charleston. I, and- I, I love,
0: I I love the title. I love the cover. Uh, <laughs> that's exclusive on Bandcamp. Is that correct? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I decided not to go through DistroKid for that because um
0: my more full length proper some,
1: album is getting mixed right now actually. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh and then for all anybody listening in Texas, my voice will soon no longer be optional for you if you listen to Public Radio. <laughs> it will at all. be inescapable. Yes. <laughs>
0: um and I'll I'll go ahead and shamelessly plug plug plug. Uh, I I did not shy away from the DistroKid. Uh I I dropped an album called Kaiku uh Woo! a week ago. Uh, very happy with it and then i couldn't resist i put on an april fool's album yesterday from when we're recording this uh of some old songs that are now properly mastered a lot of stuff from the first year uh when i started making stuff so oh, it's yeah. literally it's titled 4 Twenty Three. so it, it will forever be known as the april fool's album uh but yeah <laughs> uh just dropped that yesterday so right. Uh, Go check those out. I'm NARC, lowercase n, capital A, capital R, capital K on all the music services. Uh, Nathan performs under the name Mekijah. Please spell it for them.
1: M-I-C-A-J-A-H.
0: Lovely. Uh, Until next time, sir. Uh, Thank you for gracing us with your presence. Thank you for uh, for inviting me. Thanks to our man in in Texas. Is that what we're going with? (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah, that's great. I love Our man
0: that. in Texas, Mr. Nathan Stevens. Uh, until next time, this has been the RQB podcast. Thank you for listening. Awesome, dude.